man. There's a beverage here, huh? Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Who Shot Ya? It's your host, Ify Whitey Wade, but in the booth with me, the virtual booth, are my friends. So, why don't I introduce you to him? Alonzo Duralde, how you doing? What's good? Oh, gosh, Ify. Um, you know, think, so, so many things are good right now, but uh, I have to say, um, the weird way that climate change has made this August in Los Angeles feel like autumn anywhere else like it's really strange and then of course the second this flies out of my mouth we'll start getting 90 degree days and not to be the guy that talks about the weather but it has been weirdly like almost chilly at night like i gotta put socks on which is not a thing that's really happening on a day-to-day basis during the right now uh so yeah so i i you know i we may i may get punished come october but boy this this is a crazily mild summer and i'm all for it I'm all for you being the weather guy. Yeah, yeah, we're down. We we have we have promoted. I got nothing on guy. David Lynch. You know, he just looks out the window and gives a forecast. Every oh, day. that's true. But does he give us sock updates? You know, that's, Ooh, that's, that's true. The, I know that's the tent I'm looking for, as if he would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, instead of degrees, we'll just do sock count. You know, yeah. this is about a two socker. You're not going to want to wear socks today. Uh, <laughs> that other wonderful voice you hear is Drea Clark. Drea was good. Um, was good with me is. You guys know how I love my library app and I read all the time and I discovered a new author and I'm obsessed with her. Her name is Sherry Thomas. Sherry, like the liquor, the liquor. I hardly know her. Oh, my God. But she wrote um, um, she writes in a bunch of different genres. So she has some really sexy historical romances. She has. Uh, sci-fi that I'm about to dig into, but I'm totally obsessed. She has a series called the Lady Sherlock series, and the entire thing is set up as if Sherlock Holmes was actually the um, male-fronting name of Charlotte Holmes, existing (laughs) in the same time period, having the same intelligent mind and powers of deduction, but having to navigate it all as a woman in that time in England. And it's so, it's great mysteries. It follows like the Watson that's introduced. You're like, oh my God, this is Watson. So it follows all of these things. But then there's really small um, progressive commentary throughout. Like there's the police inspector who is having to confront his own sexist views on things, but they're built in and feel period specific. And it's just so juicy and wonderful. Oh, I love them. And I'm all caught up. I read the first four already. And now I'm like (laughs) that wailing period of no. (laughs) Are her adventures being chronicled as Sherlock Holmes while she's doing them? Is that the deal? Yes. By Ah. her sister. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But she, it's so good. If you know, if you've read Doyle or if you watched even any of the other um, adaptations, like you'll pick up on so many things. The very first one is called, I think it's um, a story of Scarlet Women. So it's Uh a study of Scarlet Women. So instead of a study in Scarlet anyway, it's wonderful. Sherry Thomas, Lady Hmm. Sherlock. That's what's good. We have another friend in the booth. It's Comedian who has a new album out called Permanent Hat. It's Michelle Balloon. Balloonie! What's good? 
Hey, everybody. Uh, my What's Good is my album coming out. It came out on the 31st. I'm super, super excited about it. It's, it's, uh, I'm watching it. I'm trying to promote it. That's why I'm here and to hang. And also, it's my, uh, on Saturday, it's my 10th wedding anniversary, which oh, is, wow. you know, will be celebrated by doing nothing like I've done <laughs> since March. Oh, <laughs> Mazel tov. Yes. Yeah. Happy anniversary. All right. Well, this will be out by then, so you can just play this uh, over a can <laughs> dinner. There we Do go. Yeah. Do you know mm-hmm. yeah. what today is? <laughs> it's our anniversary. It's no, our anniversary. anniversary. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's we'll, iffy, iffy, iffy. Who gets the, I'll be Tony. <laughs> you be Tony. You be Tony. Yeah, I'll be Tony. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, Iffy, 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 what's, yes? what's good with you? Oh, man, uh, what's good with me is, you know what time it is, we go through my Amazon orders. What was the last thing we picked up on? Did I, uh, did I talk about buying a men's elastic shoulder chest muscle harness belt with metal O-rings and studs, black one size? I definitely uh, saw you tweet about it because I got the same <laughs> nervous, oh, is this a sexual thing that I do no, whenever look, you post photos? Look, a uh, friend of the pod, best friend of Ify, <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, has shown us that you can wear a harness over a dress shirt mm. uh, and make it fashion. So that's what I was doing. Also, yes, I may be wearing it shirtless sometimes. Uh, Which I also- like for you. <laughs> But as an adoring female friend of yours with um, a natural Midwestern prudishness, it always, oh my goodness. Oh if, my. If, if we're ever in the same bar and you're wearing that, oh. one of us has to turn around oh, and walk no. out. <laughs> yes. That's same. the rule. I'm laying same. it down now. Okay. okay, I'll try and abide by it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so. To introduce today's show, we need to introduce what movie we're going to talk about. After we covered every Fast and Furious franchise, we wanted to move on to another equally action-packed franchise, which is why today we'll be discussing Before Sunrise. And in the next coming weeks, we'll cover the sequels Before Sunset and Before Midnight. Uh, and this is my first time experiencing these movies. Ooh. And whew, I cannot wait to talk about it. But of course, we're also going to be taking a call from the Who Shot line and the staff picks. But first, it's time for our new segment, It a Dick, short for Is This Important? Do I Care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question, Is This Important? Do I Care? And we're going to kick things off with a fellow thick zaddy, Zach Efron. According to The Hollywood Reporter, Zach Efron is set to star in a remake of 1987's Three Men and a Baby, which will be released on Disney+. Plus. It's unclear whether he'll be taking over the Tom Selleck, Steve Gutenberg, or Ted Danson role. But it should be noted that in a recent episode of this show, the one with Paul Shear, host Drea Clarks did in fact say that she found Steve Gutenberg sexy. The Goots. So, so you know, it could, be, it could be anyone. So is this important? Do you care? Um, I want to first affirm that, yes, I think the goot probably still is, definitely always was sexy. Yeah. Um, I don't have, there's no embarrassment or shame. There's just pride with that statement. You can um, cameo him. He just did a bunch of cameos for uh, uh, last week with John Oliver. They were very funny. Shut up. Oh, no, I can't. It's too much. And a friend of mine for for somebody else's birthday got him to talk about Can't Stop the Music for five minutes. It was Stop it. Okay, well, there goes all my spending money. (laughs) (laughs) 
But um, I, this is an interesting, it is that thing, you guys, we talk about like, my love of original content cannot be, uh, neither cannot be suppressed and also can never be fully realized because man, do we love an existing IP in this world. Um, that said, Three Men and a Baby, I totally loved and also remember almost nothing about. So if you're going to be reintroducing titles for a whole new generation it's not like those i don't think have that kind of beloved how dare they um i mean they'll normally dare all the time but they yeah you know what i mean it's not as precious seeming i i remember that three men and a baby kicked off the wave of hey let's remake french comedies because and of course casey is a million miles ahead of me i was gonna be all show offy and talk about how three men and a baby is itself a remake but uh he he, <laughs> he put that in the show notes just so we would know that i knew he didn't he, he didn't just put it in the show notes the actual notes say Alonzo will no doubt note that Three Men and a Baby <laughs> is in fact a remake. I, I, what didn't is get any, I didn't get any of that shade in my Casey email. I would have liked to have gotten in on... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what uh, is the French up? title you ask? Uh, Trois hommes et un couffin. I'm glad you asked. Oh, anyway, oh hello, uh, sir. But like that led to a lot of really terrible, like uh, uh, also remakes of, of French comedies. But the only good one of which was Joel Schumacher's Cousins. But yeah, I agree with Drea. I, I didn't. I didn't love Three Men and a Baby, but it is the kind of thing that is so pliable to a remake and so liked but not beloved in a way that yeah you wouldn't none dare tamper with the perfection of this film sure why not i mean it's it's all formula it is the highest of high concepts so it's going to come down to who's going to write it who's going to be in it and then we'll just sort of see what plays out yeah i do doesn't he seem too young i mean that's my thing it's like am i dumb like right i know people seemed older but doesn't no he you're seem not too dumb y- it's that we're that old now that oh. he's pro- he probably <laughs> is around the same age those dudes were he is of baby having age and then some it's that <sighs> yeah we are that much older i i'm permanently young but i it for the rest of you it can, <laughs> it can feel that way i was just gonna say i think that you're right i think who he casts um as the two other guys will be interesting if they're indeed well they're three men and a baby so yeah they'll be guys but it's um zach efron's career track has been a really interesting series of choices because he likes to be in ensemble do you know what i mean he's yeah. he's the good yes. at the buddy he's clearly aiming for a lot of like a much stronger comedy route than I would have assumed originally, but I will back up his comedy chops forever because of his performance in 17 again, when he played a 17 year old Matthew Perry, believably to me. And that, uh, that's not a sentence that should make sense. I would go neighbors, but sure. Why not 17 again? Just not like, you know, dirty grandpa or whatever. Like, it, it just depends on who the ensemble is with. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? It just depends on who that is. Actually, the guy who wrote the article I thought was great. He actually was like, well, I really want this movie to be, you know, Jonah Hill, um, you know, Seth Rogen, yeah. and Jason Segel. And it, it's hard. Once he said that, I'm like, oh, now you can't. Is Zac Efron the name? You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to throw out uh, Charlie Day and Damon Wayans Jr. Those Ooh. guys are all like 15 years older than him. But I'll take it. I'll okay. watch that movie. I, I will say, is Zach, is Zach the baby? <laughs> yeah. Zach Efron <laughs> is three years older now than Gutenberg was when he made this. No. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Well, 
Speaking of Disney, I think that Alonzo has something oh, to talk to us oh, about. Oh, with brother. This is just an ongoing thing. Every time we talk about the Disney Fox merger, it, it always becomes a conversation about like, well, does this mean we're going to get rep screenings of Fox titles again? And uh, so anyway, for, for those of you like me who love physical media and want to be able to own physical copies of movies, here's some crappy news. Uh, according to a report on the site, The Digital Bits, Disney is rumored to be giving up any plans to release their back catalog of titles on Blu-ray or 4K discs. And that's not just Disney films, but everything in the newly acquired 20th Century Fox back catalog. That means if it hasn't been released on Blu-ray or physical media yet, it probably never will be. There's no reason given as to the change in plans. Is this important? Do you care? Man, we talk about this a lot. I think it's a pretty baseline. This is important to us and we care. Yeah. I'll speak for the team on this one. Um, <laughs> it's also that thing of, you know, if you're not having these discussions and you're not part of this world, this would probably seem drop in the hat, like inconsequential. But as soon as you realize the control that um, streaming has over the access to content, like people who purchase things digitally and believe like, oh, I can see it in my, like that's there. Yeah. It's not, they can no. pull that. You can lose that. It's worth pointing yeah. out that this week, Disney Plus is going to, they announced that Disney Plus is going to be the only place that you can rent Mulan, or rather buy Mulan for 30 bucks. But you are buying it contingent on you always having a Disney Plus subscription, because once you don't, then you don't get access to it anymore. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, I don't like the, put, the push towards joining streaming services. And I ran into this um, with my album where I didn't know this and it's not really I get public, pub, publicized to people, but you cannot easily get to the iTunes store anymore. Basically every iTunes link redirects to Apple Music now and you have to create a special link that only works on mobile and the only people that get access to like pre-order links or going to the store, which is where all the charts are, is if you're with a huge label. So this, this pushing towards everybody using these streaming services just hurts everybody um, as far as, you know, like who's gonna be making all the money you know, off of off of these products. Oh yeah, I, I mean, this is uh, you know, we, we're saying like, oh, this might uh, you know deal with a small sect of people, but I think it's much larger than that. I mean, even as like uh, anime dork, uh, the original Metal uh, Mobile Suit Gundam, I was like, oh, I want to go back and watch the original first Mobile Suit Gundam, and there are no streaming sites that have it, and I have to buy the Blu-ray, which luckily enough they supply it i can go and buy it yeah so for when we get deep into this and people start to get real antsy with the rights and stuff or things just kind of fall because there are so many movies where the rights kind of fall between the cracks and you just never see it those are just going to be gone forever and i think this mm -hmm. is bleeding into music things too i mean you had the spotify ceo said oh gone are the days of being able to make albums uh you know every few years and it's like what do you think that does to people creatively and then also who's whose yeah. fault is that other than your own and it's not even because people aren't listening to it it's because of your share because you're making you're earning billions off of artists music and and they get pennies and luckily if you're a taylor swift or some odd person who gets a a million streams then you're making good money but if you're an up-and-coming mm -hmm. person you're gonna be broke even longer and it's gonna push you into getting these advances and giving you less freedom as an artist like it, it it's like 
it seems like it's consumer level, but it's a something that's infecting every aspect of creating art. Because like you said, the charts, when you only allow big labels to have these links that affect your charts, then who are, are charting now? It used to be where you could easily chart as like a new person with pre-orders. Now you just can't. And then also now that you can't tour and this goes to music people or anybody, people can't sell, aren't selling merch otherwise. Right. And so not, you know, being able to, to have that way that people can get your stuff is, uh, yeah, it just, it just really drives me. It made me so mad when I figured it out, especially since it's one of those things that you have to kind of follow a rabbit hole to say, mm -hmm. oh, they just don't mm -hmm. want me to fucking do this, you know? Yeah. yeah. Michelle, yeah. do you have a website where we can go and buy t-shirts with your face on them? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I do have buttons with my face on them, but they're currently, I've currently not set up a Michelle Balloon Emporium, but maybe that will be coming. But you can go All to right. balloon.com and, and, uh, and get my album. My album is digital only though my my first one you can get on a special thing records that in that one you can get the actual album but but this is digital nice. only which works in these covid times it's very smooth alonzo we're gonna take a break but when we come back we're gonna be talking about before sunrise just as soon as we hear from another one of the shows on maximum fun Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott, and we host Round, Round Springfield. Springfield. Round Springfield is a Simpsons-adjacent podcast where we talk to your favorite Simpsons writers, voice actors, and everyone who's worked on the show to talk about shows that aren't The Simpsons. So we're going to be talking to people like David X. Cohen, Yeardley Smith, Tim Long about other projects they've worked on, sometimes projects that didn't go well, mm, some failures, yeah. some rejections, some failed pilots, <laughs> some failed life events. Yeah, we just <laughs> talked to all the failures of The Simpsons. Yeah. So if you really love your Simpsons trivia and want to get to know the people who have worked on The Simpsons a little bit better, come by Round Springfield every other week on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ify Wadiway, and in the studio with me are... Drea Clark. Michelle Balloon. Alonzo Duralde. And today we're talking about Before Sunrise. Drea, would you mind providing us with a synopsis? Before Sunrise, uh, a film by Mr. Richard Linklater, shot in 1994, released 1995, is about Jesse and Celine, an American guy and a, a French girl who meet on a train on a Eurorail and um, have a quick little banter and then decide to both depart in Vienna. Jesse is flying out the next morning to go back home before Celine continues on the train. And they, they take a leap of faith, spend the evening wandering around a rather magical and very clean looking Vienna um, having a lot of uh, sparring, conversation, some flirtatious banter, whole lot of talking, whole lot of walking, whole lot of flirting. <laughs> and then morning comes. I should say, Vienna is super clean, by the way. Just like That's Dave true. White went once, and all he talks about is how clean the subway stations were. Like, I don't know mm -hmm. what museums or anything else you might have seen. All I ever hear about is the clean subway stations. <laughs> Vienna is very, I lived in Vienna for a year and a half, and I was very wistful oh, wow. the whole time that I was watching it. And uh, But yeah, it is a very clean, clean place. Um, Although I have to say the small talk from strangers never happens in Vienna. <laughs> but first meeting, that was my first. I was like, wait a second. 
I love that Michelle is like, oh, that's interesting. You've been to Vienna. I lived in Vienna, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in Vienna. Yeah. Oh, fun, fun. I did. I lived there. I was yeah, um, on those streets. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess of the four of us that Ify is the only first time viewer. So I, I'm curious yeah. to see his uh, what. He I was no. I I have to say I want to count as a first time viewer. I want oh. Ify to go first, but I do not remember watching this movie because I graduated from high school in '94 and went to college in '95, and this was not my jam at all of the type of movie I was watching, and so it was. I watched it at some point, but it is it is for me a, a bit of a departure from <laughs> from I did not identify with the movie so much. Yeah, fun <laughs> fact for you guys, Michelle and I are friends from college. <laughs> And Ooh. so I can back this up. Yes. This girl was not watching this kind of movie <laughs> when we were at the University of Wisconsin. No. <laughs> she was not. We met at an intro to film class in, yes. in Where 1995 I or six when this. Don't, yeah, a, don't you date me. I'm ageless. <laughs> um, now it comes yes. full circle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was around this time. I probably came to that class from watching this movie for the fourth time. And Michelle yes, was not watching yeah. it at all. Yeah. yeah. No, so, Drea was like. Yeah. Oh, I was no, what no. then? <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm guessing Alonzo what? and I were people who, who saw it then. But I haven't really revisited it since. So I've watched all of them as they were released and then not like, oh, I should revisit this or something. So this was mm-hmm. a, a bit of a time travel um, film for me of taking me back to oh yes I remember being that age I remember watching this in an aspirational rather than nostalgic way um, uh-huh. and so yeah I'd love to hear from Ify and Michelle of of the the first time viewing before yeah, Alonzo it- and I tell you the right way <laughs> <laughs> I came into this not knowing much about it other than the fact that y'all were surprised I didn't see it and that uh, my an anime I really like Gintama referenced this uh, this trilogy uh, so 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 for me I thought it was a much huger movie than it is and you're describing it as an indie film and it all makes sense because like I really liked it. It's it's very it's great that we're doing this in the same way we did the Fast and Furious because this is very much my shit in the same way the Fast and Furious is because just the way there's kind of no fabricated conflict and you're kind of just a fly on a wall as these two kind of hit it off and you get to listen to Ethan Hawke's leather jacket crunch uh, almost fifty million times. But yeah, I I don't know. Like there was a there was a point when I was watching it, where I was like, "Is is something gonna happen?" This is usually where some drama happens, or some or his 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 ex is gonna appear, and it just kind of was a, a cool movie. And I wonder if it was hidden different for me as well because I'm in the quarantine, you know, and I'm like, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's what it's like meeting people, just being out, walking outside." <laughs> Uh, holding hands. Ooh. Oh, laying in the grass. Wasn't doing that before, but you know, I still miss it. You know, you know, like, it was, it, it was a, it was a fun, fun experience. And I actually, yeah, I really, really, really enjoyed it. I don't think I would have liked it if I saw it earlier though. I probably would have been like, what happened? <laughs> um, I, I love slice. Like I just watched Roma for the first time. Okay. So 
you know, I like watching movies where you're just watching stuff happen, you know, and even though there was a little more plot points in Roma, but, and so I like that, but it's hard because I was this age, just a little bit younger than this age. So watching it also was this nostalgia and also it's at the cusp, right? You're watching, they're not on a device on the train, they're reading, but not because they're so cool, but because they don't fucking have anything else. You know what I mean? And so this whole thing, there's no your rail passes anymore. All this stuff that people used to do when I was in college, like it's not there. So that was amazing to watch this happen. The part I couldn't get away from is that Ethan Hawke character is the type of guy that fucking drives me up a wall. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that's, yes, yes. And so I'm watching this and I'm just like, but I love the fact that I feel she knows that the whole time and she kind of, she calls him out on it a couple times. She's just like, he's fucking hot. I'm just, he's a buffoon. I'm never going to have to see him again. We'll just get ready for the sequels. But, um, and, uh, so the whole time I like, I wrote notes while I was watching and the whole time, fuck, oh, come on. God, you fucking hate the fortune teller. You're the fucking annoying version of the fortune teller where you never get to hear a fortune that makes sense. Like, and so, but them walking around Vienna, all that stuff, I loved it. But also I was, uh, you know, it's, I was like Google mapping, where mm -hmm. I used to live, it, <laughs> it's 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 hard for me. I, I love the the Nirvana takeoff singer in the club. You know, it is just so. I don't know how old you guys are, but like it was so. It was fun to watch something like that that wasn't a retro spin. Like here's what it looked like in the '90s. It was actually then then. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it was so that was so great to watch. But I know that when that movie came out, I mean. I was in a, on a different fucking planet. Like that was not what I was into. You know, that's, that's not what I listened to. Those are not the stars I liked. And so it's weird. It's like watching it. It's too, you know, it's like time traveling, you know, but yeah. ask myself yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to land on the Ethan Hawke uh, character. <laughs> uh -huh. there, yeah. There's something I, I think I almost got to the level of where I remember when we were watching Eyes Wide Shut and I hated Tom Cruise's <laughs> character so much. Like, that's all I was talking about. They had, and, and, and Dre and Lonzo had to be like, that's the point. And I was like, but no, I, I don't like this man. <laughs> and and this, that's the same way about Jesse. Jesse is definitely that guy where you're having a three person conversation and I have to listen to him talk over me to try. <laughs> and impress this girl like that is him and yes. he's like reaching over and he's like the guy who like who like we have to try the like we have we, oh. have, trust, we have to try this pizza it's the it's the best pizza and it's so fucking expensive and he wants to split it i was like you told us we were gonna yeah. try it you know like it was yeah. like it was just bouncing between like really enjoying going through this movie with him and also this the personification of this person that like i've met this guy and i yes. do not like him. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, i'm one of the people that thinks that winona Ryder writer winds up with the wrong guy in reality bites because like ethan hawk in this period it was just like and maybe he was just doing it on purpose and like i should be admiring his his acting chops but all of his characters just drove me up the fucking wall that, that, i know. yeah as someone who explores or go home yeah i watched myself and many of my friends make bad choices for dudes who were absolutely emulating the troy dyer and jesse's of the world so i was like oh this guy it was that was one of the things of when i first watched it i was like 
smitten with him. Like, oh, he's so intelligent and oh, he's complicated and has all these emotions. And this time I'm like, this baby, this woman is so out of his league. He doesn't even know it. But I agree. Uh, Michelle, Michelle said one of my favorite things in revisiting this was. And I think it speaks to they didn't have a writing credit in this one. They do in the subsequent films. But Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke being able to be part of the writing process in creating these characters. Julie Delpy's influence on Celine and how that keeps her from being anything. She's nothing like a manic pixie dream girl, no. right? Exactly. Like, it, that's she's, the part. That's what I yeah. love. She she's saves so it. messy. She's she's argumentative. She's angry. Yeah. She she's literally ahead of her time. She lists. She totally out of her time. She lists her grievances constantly. So she has like an arc of her own to fulfill. She has all of these complications, but they're they're believable. They're not like oh I'm so pretty, but oh I'm also clumsy. Like she, <laughs> do you know what I mean? She. She's this great, rich woman, and she does. She calls him on things several times, and it speaks to why normally with love stories, when I'm meant to be rooting for a couple, I'm often in films let, like, I always want a little more. I'm like, why? More than just these are the most attractive people on screen right now. Should they be together? What is it? And for this, I honestly could look at them and say, oh, I can see how these two people could bring out new and wonderful parts in each other. And that's a lot. And then I'll also say, and then let Alonzo finally get a word in, but, <laughs> and Alonzo can definitely speak to this as well. This kind of film is very difficult to pull off. It is so hard to maintain interest, to have any kind of arc and movement in this walking and talking. I have seen thousands of indies try and replicate this you it is you cannot and and to try and explain to someone how this film is like keeping from feeling stagnant that's moving them along but it's not just set piece talk set piece talk they're they're doing they're engaging they're challenging they're asking different things of each other and then they're interacting with art all throughout in interesting Mm -hmm. ways like they have the theater people they they look at i love that they look they look and talk about paintings but they're just the print of a painting on a poster for a museum so (laughs) that's weird pasted on a pole yes there's so many (laughs) and also that she is so she is interesting in a way that he talks like he is you know what i mean when Mm. she talks about art and when she talks about things so i'm watching her and i'm like and he's just looking at her like, now I want to fuck you. I want to kiss you. Like when she says anything <laughs> of any value, he's just looking at her like this pathetic guy. And she's like, good, that's all I want you for. Yes. To fuck you. So, you know, that's what we're going to do at the end of this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm so thrilled to get to revisit this because I did not see it in theaters only because it was the beginning of 95. I had just gotten my first like running a film festival job and was just like a lunatic for several months. And so I didn't have time to go see it. I eventually watched it with at, at Dave's apartment on his tiny, tiny television um, in Fort Worth, <laughs> Texas. Um and I didn't care for it that much because, you know, y'all were talking about being the right age and being aspirational. I was just old enough or just older than the characters enough to cringe about them and feel like, oh, God, this is the kind of like all night nonsense that you talk when you're in your <laughs> early 20s and you're in college. And, da, da, da. and now that I look at it, both with the distance of being older, but also with the other two movies, and I'm not going to give away anything iffy, but... 
I've gotten to know those characters so much over these three films that this now is like going back and watching old photos of friends of yours of like what they were like in college. And so I I can be more forgiving because I know who they're going to be later. I know what they become. I know what they're about more. So yeah, he may be irritating, but aren't we all at some point in that period of our lives, you know? Um, And yeah, Dre's absolutely right. I think this is the kind of movie that confounds the people who go to those day-long seminars where they tell you how to break down a screenplay and where the beats need to be and all that stuff because there is an arc here and there's a story being told and there are characters that are being sort of like unwrapped like an onion, but it does not do it in that, okay, at the end of page six, there has to be a bleh, you know, it is, and, and so They it, never it, go it, to the play. They never exactly. go to the play. They never go That's to the play. That's what I loved. They cough, there was no cancer. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, no, it's Nobody hands them microfilm, <laughs> you know, like it's, it just gets to be this thing. And and yes, yeah, structurally that is, it seems really easy and it seems really attractive, mm-hmm. but if you don't know what you're doing and you aren't really creating interesting characters and giving them interesting, wonderful things to say, yeah, you're sunk. Um, you know, you, you talk about seeing all the, the the million ripoffs of this. I remember again in 95 at that film festival, seeing all the, all the ripoffs of clerks that people thought they could make (laughs) easily and on the cheap. And that's harder than it looks too. And what's interesting is that actually Kevin Smith's big inspiration in making clerks was Linklater's first film slacker. I want, I want, I want to throw something out real quick that I, I think we'll probably be circling back to as we talk about the other two, but it's interesting to see how this early in his career and, and at the age of 35 Linklater is already so interested in issues about time and mm-hmm. and it tur- not eternity necessarily, but sort of the way it passes and the way we because there's so much in this movie where they talk about when they were young and what they think their future is going to be like. And even the way this movie ends, where it takes you back to all those locations and sort of the harsh light of day. It's like this movie is already nostalgic for itself, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. And so when you look at like the, the fact that they've made this trilogy where these characters age in real time, the fact that he made Boyhood, the fact that he's making uh, Merrily We Roll Along, you know, like he's doing all this stuff that deals specifically with the idea of the passage of time uh and as somebody who's relatively young he's already fascinated by that subject here i mean well i mean with that bomb that we'll recircle back (laughs) on in each uh episode we have to answer the final question that we answer about every movie we watch on this show would you screen it would you stream it or would you skip it? Now, just for clarification, Michelle, screen it is yeah. just the highest ranking. We obviously can't. I mean, drive-ins are starting to pop up. Yeah. <laughs> Some here or there. But yeah. But that's the function. And we'll start with you as our esteemed guest. You know, I mean, I I have a I have a film degree. Same one Drea has. And um, <laughs> I, I would I definitely I would screen. I would want I wish I could have seen this movie like in the theaters. I might have. I can't remember. But 100 percent. This movie for me is meant to be screened. OK, at, wait, at a we've, festival. we've teased this so much. What were you watching in 1995? Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> uh, what what came out then. The Long Kiss Goodnight. Um, like, I don't know. Like, uh <laughs> Um, she was just even... watching David Letterman on VHS. Oh yeah, I was tapes. obsessed, obsessed yeah. with David Letterman in 1995. Yeah. All right. What I'm, do you think, Drea? I'm also a screen it for this. It was nice revisiting and not seeing like, oh, I forgot about that red flag, or oh, I don't like this. It was interesting because when I watched it originally, and then I did 
I also lived in Europe, darlings, and <laughs> I had a Eurorail pass, and I was seeking this kind of like magical. Yo, that that does not happen. These are <laughs> the magical things that happen um, on trips like this. Are you make out with someone because you're like, okay, we can't talk, so I guess <laughs> like I don't. You don't speak English, and I don't speak whatever this is. So. Um, <laughs> But it was also funny because I had such, I, I keep using the word aspirational, but when I first saw it, I remember thinking like, oh, this would, because they were just a little older, like, oh, this would be the way. And um, now I think of sitting next to him and them on the train at the beginning <laughs> and just kind of like eavesdropping and rolling my eyes with a gentle smile. Yeah, but smile. that's how you meet a friend, right? Then then that's they met each other because they were making fun. And then you you meet someone because yeah. you both equally are annoyed by oh, this good. young couple. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So put put Steve Gutenberg on that train with me yeah. and all is good. Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, yeah I, I'm, I'm a screen it. And I think before this viewing, I probably would have been a stream it. Because again, I, my memories of this from the, my, the one viewing on the small, small television were sort of eh. But uh, yeah, I, I think as I've gotten older and as this series has progressed, I, I'm more able to see now what is wonderful about this. Weirdly enough, the, the I, I was supposed to you do the Eurail Pass thing the summer after my junior year in college, and then we bombed Libya. Uh, and uh, my my best friend who was going to go with me, his parents who lived in Mobile, Alabama, were convinced that like Americans were just going to get executed in the streets of Paris or something, so they didn't let him go, and I didn't want to do it by myself. So never happened. So they, they missed that opportunity. Now I, and I'm now learning that no, there are no more Euro passes. So that kind of saddens yeah, me. But no. uh, but we'll always yeah. have before sunrise. It's cheap to fly. It's cheap to fly when you're in Europe, though. To fly. That's true. Ryanair, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Iffy. Uh, yeah, you know it's a screening, and you know, like like we say, you know, screening it would be hard unless you had you know a big beautiful screen no. to pop this oh, thing boy. up on. Nope. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. though, speaking of streaming worlds, I could not pop it up on my big beautiful screen i had to watch it on my computer screen because uh it's on hbo max hbo max does not have an app for roku tvs yes. yet you yeah, cannot exactly. watch it I, and i was so mad because I, I was seeing all the grain and i was like oh man I, i'm right here uh so yeah i sat right here in this chair i i like leaned it back though i do have a pretty good chair because i like I like a, I like to lay. I like to lay when I see the movie. If, if I'm in those weird AMC's, I'm laying it all the way back. Nice. I love laying down to watch movies. Is the best way to watch movies. So yeah, you like a, a recline. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> all right, but we're gonna be back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. Strange planets, curious technology, and a fantastic vision of the distant future. Featuring Martin Starr. So we're going on day 14. Shuttle still hasn't come. Aparna Nancherla. The security system provides you with emotional security. You do the rest. Echo Kellum. Can you disconnect me or not? Hurry Kondabolu. I'm staying. From Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Jeffrey McGiver. Could you play Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Want to Have Fun? It's The Outer Reach, stories from beyond. Now available for free at MaximumFun.org or anywhere you listen.
Welcome back to Who Shot You. I'm your host, Sifi Wadiway, and in the studio with me are Alonzo Duralde, Michelle Balloon, Drea Clark. And now it's time to answer a call from the Who Shot line. Casey, play that call. Hey, Who Shot You? This is Kathleen. You guys read my five star review last month, and it warmed my heart so much. So thank you so much. Here's my question Everything that's going on in the world right now can be pretty confusing at times. What's a movie that you absolutely love, but you don't fully understand what's going on in it? My answer is Synecdoche, New York. I think I'll watch it again soon, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to uncover a whole bunch of new stuff. Looking forward to hearing your answers. Be well, and thanks again. Ooh, this is a fun Thanks, Kathleen. Yeah, thank you so much for that question. And this one is actually fun for me. Whenever I watch an extremely like challenging or like, you know, uh, a, a very like, for lack of a better word, convoluted movie. I'll always go on the Wikipedia to like re like go over <laughs> what goes over. And then I like to read what other people thought think. And then like, I started being like hard on myself where it was like, well, am I just following what they think? So then I think on it myself. And then I go see what other people think because <laughs> like, like it's, I was the kid who got so annoyed when like at the end of a book you read in class and the teacher and you're like, so what does it mean? It was like, what do you think it means? Was like, no, there needs, I need an answer. I need one. Uh, Where is- so my short answer is mother. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Your short answer. That's funny. That was a short answer for you. So that's perfect. <laughs> I, I do like that what you're describing is what actual most filmmakers hope for from the work they're creating, which is <laughs> a lot of uh, discussion and analyzing and groups of people, you know, positing theories. Um, I do. I would love to hear you talk more about Mother, though. I wanted to be able to make fun of you, but you can tell us why you said Mother. Oh yeah, no, I loved it. And I, and I started to like, I, when I finished it, you know, even though you, like when I finished it, I was like, oh yeah, this is an allegory for mother earth. This is what's going on. But I was like, am I right though? So then I, (laughs) uh, and then I was seeing it and then everyone just had, there were just so many different ones. And it's so funny because there, nothing will get me to see a movie quicker than someone being like, Oh, I hate this movie. It's yeah. the worst. I, I was like, oh, I gotta see it then because you're probably too dumb for it. <laughs> I'm like, like yeah. any movie, any movie that gets an F cinema score, I'm like, oh, well, I need to check this out. <laughs> Mine is sort of a two part, and for similar reasons, in that they're in this sort of female-led, squishy sci-fi. That the more I try and figure out if they're allegory the more it confuses me because I can follow them. But so they are under the skin, the Jonathan Glazer mm. film Ooh. with uh, jo- uh, Scarlett Johansson and then Annihilation. Um, oh, I, I, love I love that. I love Annihilation oh. and I enjoyed watching it. And then you watch the whole thing at first, like a physical sci-fi. This is a place that they are tangibly walking into and whatever. And then as soon as I, when we talked about it in the show, I had, I had misread something and then liked how I misread it. But I was like, oh, I saw Annihilation as this whole metaphor for depression and, you know, this final battle with self and all that. And the more I tried to, like, reconcile, like, yeah, yeah, that thesis works, the more squirrely it gets to wrap my head. Like, does it work? And which is great because like like she mentioned Kathleen mentioned our new buddy who left us a five-star review, so we love her, um, <laughs> that I also like this. There's plenty of movies that puzzle me or that I'll think about, but then 
I don't always want to sit with them. Mm-hmm. Whereas a film like Under the Skin or Annihilation, I'm drawn to and I liked the twistiness of them, not just, ooh, I think you're narratively messy. Yeah, you want to chew on them for a while and yeah, yeah. see what flavors emerge. Uh, I couldn't love this question more, A, because I adore Cynic New York and I agree with you. I don't always know what's going on in it either, but I still know that I love it. Um, but the mo- my pick here could not be better timed because it's a movie that I'm talking about next week on the A Film and a Movie podcast. And it's a movie that is sort of referenced in today's movie uh, before sunrise. And that would be Jacques Rivette's Celine and Julie Go Boating. Um, and the, the characters in this film are named Celine and Jesse. And that is not a coincidence because there are definitely some French new wave shout outs in this movie, like the take a picture of me scene. Uh, That is a movie that I love, but to this day have a really hard time telling you exactly what happens. And every time I recommend it to people, I always tell them the first half to two thirds, you're going to be baffled and confused and want to turn it off, but don't. And if you get to the ending of it, it will be like one of the best things you've ever seen. Uh, And I just watched it again and I still feel that way. And it is, it's a dream or it's magic or it's a metaphor or it's, I don't even know what, but I adore it. All right, Michelle. So is it my turn? Am I closing yes. this? Oh, Jesus. Um, mm, yeah. I, this no is pressure. the hardest. This is the hardest piece of my podcast homework. Um, I want, I'm going to say two movies, but I have not seen them in a long time. They're, I, my two movies are 12 Monkeys in Brazil. Okay. Yeah. And okay. they're both, they're both kind of, they, they have a similar feel to me, you know, of course. And, um, and both of those movies, like now, as I thought of them, I wanted to rewatch them. But just these movies where you're like, what's happening? When is it? Where are people going? You know? And um, and so both of those movies that I'm not going to be able to talk at length about are movies that um, that I I just loved um, the, the the look of them and the feel and the characters. And um, well, yeah, Brazil yeah. and 12 Monkeys are both Terry Gilliam. And I think in yeah, both yeah. of those movies, he is not giving you a lot of he's basically throwing you in the deep end and expecting uh, you to swim. You know, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's and I just love it. So you it, because it's that you know what you're expecting from this person, so you can trust it's happening. Is uh, it just makes it yeah, it's just uh, highly enjoyable. Both of those films. Ooh. But now I have to rewatch them because I was like, <laughs> I cannot, I can literally could not tell you the the plot breakdown of either of them. Well, thank you, Kathleen. That was a great question. That yeah, was. Yeah. And thank you to everyone who's called in ever. But the number for the Who Shot line for those wondering is WSY. 803-1664. Now it's time for staff picks. It could be any movie at all. And Michelle, why don't you start? Well, I mentioned one earlier and I just want to give it another shout out. And that's Long Kiss Goodnight. It's one of my favorite movies. <laughs> and I don't remember lines from movies a lot, but that is a movie that I will just, I mean, there's so many great parts of that movie. <laughs> you know, um, Sam Jackson with this, with his poem song that he remembers, you know, just so he gets wallets, keys, whatever, you know, anyhow, but it's, I fucking love that movie, but I liked Old Guard. I'm sure you've mentioned it already on this podcast, maybe. That we did fantastic. an episode on it. Yes. Charlize Theron kicking ass. I love comic books. And uh, and the whole movie was just fun. I was like, is this all it's fucking about? I love it. it, it <laughs> fantastic movie. Yeah. I'll jump in. You guys know I hate, I can't hear a silence and not want to fill it. <laughs> yeah. um, 
So my staff pick is a film that is now on Netflix that was up for uh, Best Animation Oscar this year. It's a French film called I Lost My Body. It's mm. an R-rated animation. Um, the two lead voices in the it's an English dub are um, Dev Patel and Alia Shawkat. And it's mm. a romance of sorts. Um, and it's literally it starts with a severed hand that ends up moving across Paris, trying to reconnect with its body. And then you go back in time and you meet the man whose body it is and um, see um, it's sort of the inciting tragedy of his life and how that shapes him. And then this sort of burgeoning romance and the idea of loss and loneliness and connection. And it's really beautiful and a really just an enjoyable view. And it's the kind of thing that I think people will watch and be like, oh, I'm glad I watched that. And you may not normally have reached out for it. So I lost my body. It's all right there in the title. Ooh. Truly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I would recommend a 90s Ethan Hawke movie that I do like. Um, <laughs> and uh, in the much like Brazil and uh, The Long Kiss Goodnight, it is a Christmas movie. But that's also like not what you would expect a Christmas movie to be because it's dark and sad and wonderful. Uh, it is called A Midnight Clear, and it's directed by Keith Gordon, who did uh, The Chocolate War and uh, quite a few other films, uh, was an actor before that. And it is about a group of uh, World War II soldiers who are uh, who all have high IQs. And so the army made them intelligence officers, not really understanding what those two things meant. Anyway, uh, and it's an all-star cast. It's Ethan Hawke and Ari Gross and Peter Berg and Gary Sinise and Frank Whaley and Kevin Dillon. And uh, a group of German soldiers wants to arrange a surrender to them that's going to happen around Christmas. Uh, but because one of their uh, members, uh, one of their number is, uh, is suffering what they used to call battle fatigue, uh, things take a dark turn. Um and this is a movie that I really liked a lot. And I, 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 I saw it originally when I was researching the Christmas book and it was hard to find for a long time. Like I think that was one that I remember having to find on VHS because there wasn't a Blu-ray or whatever, but uh, there's a, there's a new Blu-ray out from shout select and it's streaming for free on IMDb TV, which is a thing. Um, so I think a lot of people have not seen it because it hasn't been super accessible in home video, but it is a, a haunting, beautiful sad uh film um you know it's a world war ii story that it's not the kind we usually see and it has uh, a, a cast of great actors much like before sunrise uh, all of whom would go on to make feature films themselves as directors so you know oh, wow. uh yeah a midnight clear check it out Ooh, so it's, it's funny because you know I, I i i picked my pick in my head and then i looked it up after and, you know, I'm going to stay with the pick in my head, even though this movie is wasn't as uh, well regarded as I remember watching it and enjoying it, which and I think honestly, I think uh, I, I, I might might have picked this before, but I picked this because this was my before sunrise. This was something I watched and I was like, oh, I'd like to I'd like to experience that featured a young Lorenz Tate. Joe Morton and Suzanne Douglas. This is The Inkwell, uh, directed by Maddie Rich, uh, screenplay by Trey Ellis and Paris Qualls. But yeah, like I, yeah, I remember it, it, like watching this and enjoying this, but I was, I was a lot younger in 1994. So it was, it was more aspirational for me. We get like, it. 
<laughs> I just I'm just saying maybe just as far as the quality goes, but I say give it a shot. I'd say give it a shot. I'm gonna rewatch it, uh, and I'll let you know next episode how wrong I was. All right, now it's time for the five star reviews. If you leave us a five star review, we'll read it on air. Uh, this one's from R R R R Restivo. Uh, horny iffy for the win. A recent staff pick section had Drea recommending an acclaimed Egyptian neorealist drama from the 1950s, while Iffy recommended a softcore porno on Netflix with a rating of 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is Peak 2020 Podcast. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is like the perfect tagline of this show like that that gives you every every everything you need to know (laughs) oh my god amazing oh michelle thank you so much for joining us do you have anything you'd like to plug well yeah uh, just my album permanent hat um and uh you can get it wherever you like to get things uh spotify your apple music itunes also at the record labels website um a special thing uh and but thanks so much for having you guys this is amazing um, I want to double that Michelle is a great person. You can feel good about supporting her <laughs> and her work. And she's hilarious. And we had a cable access show in college called. Oh, my the, God. We called it the Eric Estrada show. Yeah, I, it's on Vimeo. Do not tell people it's on Vimeo. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I think, I, I, I think oh, it's, it's called, private. It's called oh. the Eric Estrada show. And I put it on my first resume. Yeah, no, we. Oh. Um, Girl, yeah. you better oh. keep it private. Oh, we, we, we might yeah. not see that. This yeah. is pre-YouTube. We, we had to that do what might we be, had that to That might do. be the next watch party. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Drea does their own little man on the street thing. It's great. Oh, Yes, yes, please, please give us access. Send us that password. You brought it up. I was going to bring it up. I was going to bring it up because I put it on my first resume when I moved to LA. And I remember remember going in for an interview to be a PA. And the whomever I was interviewing was like, oh, I didn't know Eric. This must have been a pilot like Eric Estrada. And I was like, oh, no, my friend. My friends and I are jerks. Like, we just took that name because we thought it was funny. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, you love to see it. All right. Well, (laughs) the Max Fun Drive is over, but you can still support us at MaximumFun.org forward slash join if you feel it in your heart. And again, the number for the Who Shout line is WSY803-1664. And if you have a comment or suggestion, about this week's show, tweet at us at Who Shot Your Pod. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Who Shot Your Podcast or send us an email at Who Shot Your at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.